is the Go Blue Crew. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode 130 of the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick, joined by Derek Devine. We're going to bounce around a lot today because players and coaches have been, have been speaking a lot lately to the media, and there's just a lot to take in. And I'll quit saying a lot now. Before we get there, though, we need to talk about Duncan Robinson and the Miami Heat really quickly in the NBA Finals. Down 1-0 to the Los Angeles Lakers. But, Derek, did you get a chance to watch uh, the Finals Game 1 or, or any games before that with Duncan Robinson? Yeah, last night I had it on in the background. Um, saw that the Heat were up. Uh, and then saw that the Lakers won on like a crazy... 70 to 20 run or something around there um, over the course of 24 minutes. And so kind of tuned out, but yeah, I mean, Duncan Robinson uh, is in the NBA finals. And if you look at any of the rosters he was a part of, and, and this is no discredit to, to him as a player, because obviously he's proven himself. And we, we talked a little bit about Michigan guys in the NBA in, in a pod not too long ago, but I don't know that you look at him uh, as, as one of the, the guys that would be in the finals quicker than others. Um, now it all depends on what team you land on, sure. But I mean, the yeah, he, he'd have been playing well, and he's not only in the finals; like he is a contributor uh, to this team, and, and just really, really awesome to see. And yeah, we'll be we'll be tuning in uh, for game two. Yeah, game two uh, tomorrow night. We're recording this Thursday, so game two is Friday night. Uh, game three, I believe, is Sunday. For some reason weeknights these games are starting at 9 p.m which is pretty ridiculous if you ask me uh but i mean as long as as long as you care enough you want to see duncan robinson do well for himself and, and you know see him play for an nba championship i'm sure it's worth it uh let's start on the defensive side of the ball for michigan don brown talked to media recently and one of the things that i picked up on that I thought was encouraging and maybe it's just a coach trying to speak things into existence. He seemed to be a little higher on his defensive line depth, especially on the interior. And we look back at last year, we know that was an issue. Uh, Ben Mason was, was getting a lot of time at defensive tackle inside. And it's not good when you have a guy flip from fullback to, to the defensive line and he's got to be a major contributor but it seems like he's a little more excited about that that deep that defensive line depth Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay obviously are the two end spots those those guys are going to do really well for themselves in the NFL one day uh soon Carl Kemp looking like a good uh interior body uh Christopher Hinton Donovan Jeter Jess Spade I mean there there are some there are some possibilities in there that I that I think even though I was, I've, I've been really worried about the defensive line depth and getting run all over possibly by, by some run-heavy teams, it seems like maybe we're starting to go in the right uh, trajectory here. Yeah, the, the defensive line is an area um, similar to the, the backs um, where you would have been really concerned if a guy like a Quiddy Pay um, decides to, to not return or, or decides to leave, I guess I should say. Uh, because last year there were those depth issues. Uh, and a lot of these guys, uh, especially the ones you mentioned, um, were around last year and maybe just not ready to, to contribute in the way that it sounds like they're going to be able to 
this year, but to, to hear him excited about the defensive line. Last year they played a lot of three-man fronts and um, just being able to to go back to a four-man front when need be or just you know get, get guys in there that are fresh. Those guys are working hard every single play uh, in the trenches, and, and to, to hear him rattle off as many names as he did. Taylor Upshaw is another guy that he mentioned uh, quite a bit in his interview. Um, I, I just think that to have depth there is so important. Um, and like you said, with uh, the two guys on the end, Aiden and, and Quiddy, I, man, I don't know that you can find a, a many better pair than that. And, and so I think that the defensive line is probably going to be a strong point um, just a year removed from when we were like, what in the world is Ben Mason doing lining up on the, <laughs> on the defensive line? So uh, good to hear that the, the guys that are meant to be there um, are, are able to fill those roles this year. And, yeah, I, I expect the defensive line to be uh, to not only be talented, but to be very effective and disrupting um, opposing offenses. Uh, Don Brown said Michigan's defensive line is running about eight or nine deep right now. And so I, I don't think you can take that to mean there are eight or nine starter-ready players, but you know, if he feels confident enough that uh, he can basically run a whole second team out there, I mean, that's what, that's what eight would be for a four-man front. I think this could be maybe one of the biggest areas of improvement for Michigan's team, especially Michigan's defense. We know that was a struggle last year. And to see them not only get after the quarterback, because I'm not too worried about their ability to get after a quarterback, especially with Quiddy Pay and Aiden, Aiden Hudson did really well with that too. But to be able to stop the run, be able to get pressure up the middle, uh, you know, limit those those big plays that that come between the tackles, where running backs able to get to that second level and, and make a guy miss, and he's off and running. To to be able to 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 take that away, I think would be you know, one of the biggest things that could happen for Michigan this season. Uh, Don Brown also talked about Daxton Hill, maybe like the the, the player with the highest ceiling on Michigan's roster, uh, coming down playing a little nickel in the defense. Obviously, uh, in high school, you know, he played a bunch of different positions, and and Don Brown kind of talking about him like you know he can still he can blitz, he can come up and cover your slot receiver. He can go out wide and cover your other receivers. He can obviously still play safety like we saw him last year. Turning into, I don't want to call him like a Jabril Peppers type player because they're they're different, but just in the sense that there is so much versatility there and that you know he might just be like the best player on that defense. That's the comparison that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people too that think his ceiling's high enough to be the best player on the team in general and then he's one of those guys with the speed that maybe you see him do something similar to what a Jabril Peppers did um, or even an Ambry Thomas at times in the return game Um, he can be utilized all over the place and I think Don Brown's comment that stood out the most was he's he's so talented that he can fit in anywhere he wants to fit in Um, he I think he's he's turning and Don Brown talked about this too he's turning into a player that they needed to find a way to get on the field to a player who just needs to be on the field and can be everywhere on the field uh, when needed. Um, so he's going to get, I mean, a significant more playing time. Uh, probably won't miss many downs 
um, even if you throw him into the special teams loop too, or maybe even a, a one or two offensive packages because of his speed. But I think that he's, I mean, definitely making the transition to, to full-time. Uh, and I think that he has a lot of untapped potential still. I know people were raving about him last year. Uh, a lot of people mentioned him going into a, a new season. Um, he got, you know, good opportunities last year, and he, he made some big plays and got his name called. But I think this year is a year where you're going to hear a lot of his name. And I think probably also the year, um, if he can stay healthy, of course, that uh, the rest of the country starts to learn his name a little bit more too. So just super excited to see uh, him play, no matter where they decide he fits best. Um, I like the confidence that he can fit anywhere they need him to be. Now, what did you think of Don Brown saying that, that Daxton Hill could be one of the best cover guys in the Big Ten? Um, Michigan obviously hopes he can be that. Ambry Thomas uh, doesn't look like he's coming back. Uh, is this just a coach talking about his better player and you know saying this guy can do anything or is there like actually do you think a legit chance there that that if he gets enough opportunities talking about Daxon Hill he legitimately could be like one of the best cover guys in the conference yeah I take that comment similar as Josh Gass's comment about the wide receiver room depth that we talked about last week Um, he's been around some very talented wide receivers at every stop especially Alabama and for him to say this is the most excited he's been about the debt, like I, I take that uh, to be an honest word. And so for for Don Brown, someone who's been around multiple defenses and, and coached for years, uh, to to see this potential and see Daxon Hill as a kid who can, I mean, not only be maybe Michigan's best player defensively, but um, one of the best um, defensive players in the Big Ten Conference and maybe even the country. I, I believe that. Um, I, I really do think, like I said, that this will be a year where. He's going to turn a lot of heads, and, and if he truly is the player people expect him to be, I mean, there's no way you're not going to see him mentioned um, across the country um, just because, I mean, there there are studs on both sides of the ball, but uh, defensive players get a lot of love too. Uh, and I think that, that Dax Hill is a guy who uh, you're going to hear his name all the time. I think he's going to make some big plays. Hopefully he can get in there in the, the interception game too. I mean, that always helps. Uh, I know that – Jabril Peppers was always kind of picked at for, for not having the interceptions throughout his career. Uh, but a guy like Dax, I mean, I can, I can remember him picking the ball off and, and breaking up key passes last year and a guy who didn't even have the role he's going to have. So, yeah, I truly think that um, he could be one of the better um, cover guys in, in all of the, the league already. And I think once you see this year passed heading into the 2021 season, I think we'll know. Uh, whether or not he truly is uh, the best or one of the best. All right, looking at the offense now, we you know of course we're excited about Dax Hill. We're excited to to see uh, you know what the what the quarterback situation looks like with Joe Milton. But let's not forget Chris Evans is back in that that running back room now after being suspended for a year for academic reasons. Michigan's not lacking at running back, obviously, but this is a guy who is very quick. He's had a good career. He's you know uh, I, he was the first freshman to break was it a hundred yards in his first game. Yep. Uh, do you remember? <laughs> am I just making this up? I think it was like one buck twenty or something like that. Well, okay. He 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 set a freshman record for, for for his first game. Let's just suffice to say that. Um, but he's back, and 
I know a lot of people are wondering just like what is his role and obviously we won't really know that until we see Michigan put it into into action do you really think that that Chris Evans is is kind of just like buried second or third on on the running back depth chart and that's that or do you think he's he's a little too good and you need to find ways to maybe put him in the slot get some two back looks I mean he's got to be on the field at, at, at like at some significant portion of plays right yeah we talked a little bit about uh, this before uh, we went live and I think that when I look at the depth chart predictions I think the M live put out um, listing him as third I guess if you're thinking of true running back um, yeah maybe he is the third option behind Charbonnet and Haskins but yeah in order of in terms of like keeping him on the field you, you're gonna see him out there I think often um, almost to the point where it would seem like he appears to be the starter or, or appears to get um, as many touches um, as the next guy. I think he's just too dangerous. I think where they're going to use him a lot is in the past game. Uh, Cam McGrone was asked to identify uh, one of the running backs that's really standing out, and he knows Chris Evans from his high school time he was talking about um, and, and how Chris Evans just always consistently beat him uh, and his team and put up 400 yards. Both out of yards. Indianapolis. Yeah. I just got to throw that in there. That's where I'm put up like 400 yards on Cam McGrone's defense in high school when Cam was a sophomore. Um, so he, he's basically saying that, you know, Chris Evans has always had uh, my number um, and, and seeing some of those similar things, um, even though Cam McGrone's obviously a step above in, in his ability now too. Uh, but he talked very highly of that, and I was trying to figure out if it was more of that you known relationship from the past, that, that kind of home city bond, or uh, whether or not he truly just sees Chris Evans as the biggest playmaker back there. But yeah, I mean, this is not a this is not a uh, a new guy. This is a seasoned veteran that's had a lot of time, uh, provided a spark from his freshman season, which seems like years and years ago. Um, and I think that he is much too talented and too dangerous to leave off the field. And another thing that McGrone said is, uh, I think, I uh, can't remember when their interview was, it was sometime mid this week, maybe even today, but he had referred to the day before how they, they went out there to, you know, in practice and they saw Haskins and Chris Evans in the backfield. And he kind of was taken back like, whoa, like, what is this? Um, so, yeah, I think you're going to see some two back sets. I think you're going to see some creativity from Josh Gaddis's offense in year two. And when I think of a guy like Chris Evans, I don't think you keep him off the field, even if Zach Charbonnet or Son Haskins is your your go-to running back. But my guess, all three guys um, get a pretty similar amount of touches this season, especially in a, in a short season. Um, obviously, it keeps guys fresh, and I truly think that those are three of the, the best options you can have on any team right now in the country. Um, they're all different, um, and I think they're all going to provide a spark for that running back room. Yeah, not many teams have the luxury of knowing they have three legit running backs. My thinking is uh, Josh Gaddis talks about speed and space, and he put it into practice last year. You cannot be committed to speed and space and not take advantage of Chris Evans. That's that's my thinking. He's one of those guys you have to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands, and I trust that Josh Gaddis is going to do that. I trust that Joe Milton, you know, if 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 Chris, if they draw something up for Chris Evans, I mean, I trust Joe Milton to deliver an accurate ball, I guess. I mean, you've got to be able to get him the ball and you got to be able to let him do his thing, let him work, let him run. That's, I mean, that's what he is best at. He's best at running, making people miss. He, he's a fast guy. You got to get him the ball. 
uh, going out wide to, to wide receiver, assuming that Nico Collins is not playing with, for, with the Wolverines, assuming he's done, uh, all eyes kind of turn to Ronnie Bell, who I know he talked to the media also recently, but he, he seemed like he was a little hesitant to like take on things by himself. He seems like kind of uh, a little low key, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think what I, yeah, low key, I guess, humble. Uh, I guess I don't, wanting, I don't really know how to how to describe it. Not wanting to talk much about himself when asked. It was a it was very interesting, super funny guy. Um, I, I that was one of the the my favorite uh, interviews to listen to in terms of players. Um, he, I mean, talked and it was super candid about you know like yeah we're better with Nico Collins if he chooses to come back or. Hey, we lost three great receivers and and DPJ, Tariq, and and now Nico Collins, um, seeming to not come back to the the program. But yeah, he was very open about you know that's he. I think he literally said that's buns like to not have those guys, or maybe that was uh, in reference to something else not being great. But I think that he's gonna be a playmaker. He was a playmaker last year. Um, I, I think that he's going to be the go-to guy. I mean, without Nico Collins, defenses are going to kind of look to him um, and look to stopping him probably first and foremost. But I think one of the things to, to think about, uh, even though this group is pretty undersized, is if you have Ronnie Bell kind of taking out some of taking on some of Nico Collins' role um, and you move a guy like Giles Jackson into the slot full-time, if you remember last year, Giles Jackson played in the backfield quite a bit towards the end of the season. Uh, and he was kind of similar as a Dax Hill where uh, he, he really turned it on as the season went on. And he was just too talented to keep off the field. And Josh Gaddis spoke uh, on that in his interview. Um, but I think what you'll see is Chris Evans kind of taking over that backfield role, which allows a guy like Giles Jackson to be in the slot full time, which allows a guy like Ronnie Bell to move all over the place, whereas last year, he definitely played in the slot because of DPJ and Nico Collins. And so I think the receiver group, like Gattis said, is, is deep. I think it's going to be um, a lot more speed than, than I guess, size, um, especially since they don't have any. At, Ronnie Bell said we lost the tall guys. Um, that, I mean, think, think that's almost a direct quote, um, the tall guys. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be utilized differently, but I, I think with the speed and space and the way that – you would hope that Michigan can get some great spacing from the receiver core. I think they're going to be okay. You might just not have the guy as of now, or at least identified as of now without Nico Collins to, for Joe Milton to throw up a prayer like he did against Ohio State and have someone come down with it necessarily. But I think they're going to be uh, a great group. There's tremendous talent. And i I just going to guess that Ronnie Bell is a humble dude. And when it comes to playing on the football field, he's going to show that he's going to take on all that extra load that maybe a guy like Nico Collins is, uh, is leaving behind. Yeah. We sit here and talk about, uh, you know, is, is Ronnie Bell going to be like that, that number one go-to guy. He finishes Michigan's top receiver last year, which I think is sometimes easy to forget, but also remember, and I know it's, it's difficult to make things translate from last year to this year because you have a different group of receivers and there's going to be, a different quarterback, but we kind of thought the same thing 
about Nico Collins slash Donovan Peoples Jones, like two really, really talented receivers who you could just kind of throw it up to. And Michigan did occasionally. Shea Patterson did just throw it up to them occasionally. But it, it wasn't like they were the uh, the only weapons out there. A lot of guys got the ball. A lot of guys ended up with it was a, it was an equitable distribution of of catches and yards. It seemed like, and so I think there's a decent possibility that the same thing happens this year, just because that's that might be the nature of this Josh Gaddis offense and where. You know, Ronnie Bell could very well end up with the most catches and most yards. I wouldn't expect him to be like far and away Michigan's most productive receiver, just because that doesn't seem like the that doesn't seem like the way Michigan is going to operate its offense. And so maybe things change with the new quarterback and not having big bodies to throw the ball up to. But I just don't. I I can't see uh, any one receiver becoming like the threat it's it's got to be spread around and is 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 i think it's going to be pretty similar to, to what we saw last year so do you have do we miss anything was <laughs> they talked about so much in these last few days and uh you know maybe we have a minute minute or so left here to, to hit on anything we didn't get to already well, first and foremost, you were the note taker today so if you missed anything I, i'm blaming you well but... hey we hit everything on my notes so this is a uh, scrap time yeah, I'd say that, I mean, there's a lot going on, and I think, you know, our goal is to get back to this weekly as the season approaches and weekly as the season um, goes on. But I think that there's a lot to probably be discussed um, just in general. But I think just for me, the the last thing that I'll kind of echo what you said is I don't think you even want Michigan to, to need to have a go-to guy. And again, just like Ronnie Bell said, they are way better with Nico Collins just because Nico Collins truly is – a unique talent, uh, the same reason he's maybe opting out, probably opting out, likely opting out, is because of his talent and, and the fact that he is going to be drafted whether he plays another down as a college receiver or not. But for me, I, I don't know that when I, when I hear them asking, hey, Ronnie, are you going to be able to take on wide receiver one, defenses are going to key in on you. I don't know that that's going to happen in general because I think Josh Gaddis, like you mentioned, wants an offense that's – going to be able to spread the wealth so much. And again, you got to have a quarterback that can make the right reads, make the right plays, but there are so many playmakers and that's why Josh Gass is excited because whether it's guys coming out of the backfield or guys lining up at the receiver position, even tight ends, he's talked a lot about a guy like Eric all um, who didn't get a ton of time last year. Um, there are multiple options and multiple guys are going to be open. And a reason that Ohio state, is as dominant as they have been. One, good quarterback play, but two, if you look at their tape, I mean, it seems like there's always a receiver open. And when, when a quarterback finds a receiver, you look somewhere else in the field, and that receiver was open too. Um, these are guys that are great at creating space, great at finding the, the open green. Um, with quarterbacks, they're great at getting them the ball. So I, I think that the receivers are going to be able to do their job. Hopefully Joe Milton can can learn as time goes on to, to take advantage of, of the space. But yeah, I mean, with or without Nico Collins, I think this receiver group could quite possibly be as talented and as talked about as the running backs, um, even though maybe we're all a little bit more confident where the running backs stand as of now. All right, well, we are recording this on the first day of September, or I almost said September, October. Of course, 
Michigan, the rest of the Big Ten kicks off October 24th. So we just have a, a few more weeks to go. And you can sit down on Saturdays and enjoy college football in the meantime. So I think you should definitely do that. Get your mind right before Big Ten kicks off. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ty underscore Fenwick. Derek is at Divine Identity. Thanks for listening. Go Blue. Go Blue.